So I'm not up on pop culture. Mm-hmm. But as near as I can tell, some conservatives think that a gay black man is the devil. A gay black man is the devil. That's what I've picked up from Twitter. Okay. I'm really not up on pop culture or who people are, but I saw that and was like, oh no, that oh, that tracks, that has always tracked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I must say, if you have you have you taken the time to watch the music video that all of the American conservative Christians are upset about? I've seen a bit. I've not I've not sat down to watch the whole thing. Yeah. What, what is this music video? Okay, so it is for a song by Lil Nas X, ah. uh, and it's called Call Me By Your Name, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. The music video is the most beautifully over-the-top homosexual thing I have ever seen. It is a gorgeous treat for the eyes. It is beautifully choreographed and set. Here's the scene. Let me paint the scene for you. Lil Nas, our protagonist, our singer, he is gay. He's in the Garden of Eden or Heaven or some heavenly place, and the snake of temptation comes down like in the Bible, but it's being gay. And he's like, I see no harm in being gay. That's fine. And then the heaven council is like, hey, you can't just be gay in Christianity. Fuck off, go to hell. So our titular protagonist decides, hey, if you're going to condemn me to hell, I'm going to have fun. So he pole dances his way from heaven down to hell, gives Satan a lap dance, snaps his neck, steals his horns. Now he's in charge of hell. Fucking hell. That, yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch that. (laughs) I am watching it right now. That guitar is fucking awesome. Everything about this video is gorgeous. And as someone who grew up in a Christian faith and like very much moved away from the church because I was being told... You are going to hell. You are going to hell for who you are. It's annoying. Yeah, watching a, mm. watching a music video that's entirely about like, hey, if that's what they're saying, fucking embrace it. Be in charge of hell for all they care if that's where they're sending you. I'll tell you what, though. Being damned to hell is really irritating. Yeah. It gets gets under my skin. I don't care for it. I don't care for eternal damnation. Um, I mean, I'd pole dance all the way there if, if that's where I was going. Don't get me wrong. I'd be, I'd be shimmying down that greasy pole to hell. I'll say this. I'd never considered giving Satan a lap dance until I watched Ooh. this video, but this really does make it look like a very appealing prospect. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's the only thing I want to do now. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like a very... <laughs> Very, it's just a very gay video about embracing the fact that you've been damned to hell by Christians, and the Christians are not happy that you are definitely glorifying hell, and, you know, not as the video actually seems to be doing, criticising Christianity for its pushing out of LGBT people from their faith. Yeah. That's what all the kids are up to. I know my pop culture. You know your pop culture. I don't know jack shit anymore, and I've given up. Oh, there's that poll. Wow. Yeah, it's quite the fucking... It's quite the poll. Yeah. Uh, I must say, the outfits in the, the sort of trial courtroom scene in heaven... Mmm, wonderful. You see, now I want to watch it, but I've left it too late. We can't... We can't have a running commentary followed by a running commentary. The listeners won't stand for it. I'm going to do mine next week. We've had episodes of this show where we've gone 15 minutes without talking anything even vaguely adjacent to a video game. I think doing a play-by-play out of sync with each other of a music video that everyone's probably already seen. I think that's probably fine. I, I tell you what, it's it's a tool I'm keeping in my belt. <laughs> Whenever there's dire need of content, out it comes. The Little Nas X commentary by James Stephanie Sterling, an original piece of audio. <laughs> you can get it on 
Libsyn, is that a website? Libsyn is a thing that you can put audio out on. Is it like Lycos? That was advertised by a dog in the 90s. Is is Libsyn advertised by a dog? I don't think it's advertised by a dog. It's, no. Its entire branding is, we're the podcast website that's bright green. Okay, do the kids still use Netscape Navigator? I mean, I'm still using it day in, day out. Yeah. How do you think I find all those hot scoops? Uh, okay, because I'm on opera. Oh. I finished watching that music video. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite something. I- can confirm this is you know the the everybody obviously always needs to have the cis white hetero perspective on every piece of media this is very gay and very hot yeah do you think there'd be any like five by five pixel gifts that i can put on my geocities website oh oh there should be oh, oh i guarantee <laughs> yeah. it okay I'll I'll put it on my black background lime green comic sans text. <laughs> I reckon there's at least one good gif you can pop on oh. there of, of of our protagonist just really shaking that ass over Satan's cock. Like, how's the color grading on it? Because bear in mind it needs to be so very very low res. <laughs> and I'm imagining if there's a lot of reds, um, it's I mean certainly it's going to clash with the lime green comic sans text. <laughs> And the chocobo picture. The courtroom scenes would probably work really well. I don't know about the pole dance. There's a lot of red in that. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) I'll carry on designing my new website after the podcast. Which, it's Podquisition, that's the podcast. It's a video game podcast. We tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I turned up, apparently we do this on our computers now. Yeah. I turned up with a cassette recorder, you know. I was going to hit record and play at the same time. It's one of those ones. It's it's fine. I've got one of those things where you can put the cassette tape and then it's got an aux cord, which will go oh, into the computer's microphone port and then we can sort of cassette into the computer. Uh-huh. And that, that should probably work. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. Has anyone got a monitor that works with a SCART cable? <laughs> Funnily enough, I think my third monitor does still have a SCART cable port on the back. Good. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got a couple here that do. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. But I don't throw anything out. Well, exactly. I was like, I've got extra ports. Why the fuck not? <laughs> so yeah, Podquisition. Who? What should What should we start on today? Uh, I mean, we could talk about some video games. Yeah. I guess. Who's played one? Who's done played a video game? Well, all right. I played a bunch of games. Did you? Uh, I did. That's good, because I played one game. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, so I played that Loop Hero. As I as I said, I bought it during the recording last week, and I started playing it. How are you getting on with it? Uh, I made it through the first uh, chapter now. Yeah. And I don't like collectible card deck building mechanics in video games. I barely like them in physical card games. This is managed well. I like that every card has a benefit and a, you know, a positive and a negative right out the gate with them. And then you find through combinations other things that happen. I like the building and crafting progression system. Mm. I like how that works with the deck building to be like, all right, well, I'm going to focus my strategies on expanding in this direction down this tree, which means I'm going to need these specific resources. So I'm going to gear my deck around that. I like that. I like that they only ever give you at most one new card at a time because of the sort of unlocking nature, which 
I think that helps a lot with making it not feel too much like a deck builder in that at any one given time, it's like, I've unlocked one new card. Do I want to take something out to put it in? The full deck size maxes out at like 12 to start with. And it's like, yeah, 12 is a very manageable number of cards. Oh, yeah. And even then they have like different rarities of card have a max and a minimum number you can have in your deck. And it's like, okay, I've, I've got enough constraints here that I don't feel overwhelmed by having to make a big thing of a deck, which is nice. That does help a bit with that. And I mean, even now, like, because there is that range, I think it's a range of about five cards in terms of your minimum and maximum. Yeah, I think it's seven through 12. Yeah. Seven to 12. And I think I'm running a, like, eight card deck right now. Yeah, same. I try and keep it on the low end if I can. Yeah, well, and, and yeah, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I want treasuries to spawn. Yes. And two... I, you know, only have one or two resources that I'm going for. If I could have one fewer card in there and not, you know, go lower than the minimum threshold of enemy spawning cards in my deck, I'd probably do that. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to be getting anything that isn't the thing that moves your game plan forward. Right. Now, this game's a min-maxer's dream. Yes. Now, if you want to, like, look at numbers and calculate, okay... Where am I going to maximize both my damage output and my health restoration rate? And am I going to do it through combat or am I going to do it through time? How much time is it taking me to make all of these combat actions? How much faster can I make that happen through the application of environmental objects and equipment bonuses? I mean, there's a lot of moment-to-moment statistical adjustment you could do and decisions you can make if you really want to do that and it would be very satisfying i think i tend to ignore it for a period of time and then just sort of examine the options after a few you know half dozen things have spawned in that i didn't notice because i just kept hitting the thing <laughs> to all right let's keep going yeah uh it's really really well designed it is nicely passive but it's also passive to an extent that eh, I have to – I feel like I need to be motivated to play it. But that works counter to how I feel I should play it because it, I feel like a game that is this passive shouldn't require so much of my attention as this does. And yet it does. It's a game that fills a very specific attention niche. Mm-hmm. And like for me, it's been working as a second screen experience. It's – I want something to be playing, but I'm also trying to get through a podcast backlog, and I want something that requires not the full amount of attention I would need if I was playing something bigger and more intensive, but that is still giving me something to multitask on. Yeah. And, like, it's great as a have-it-running-on-the-other-screen experience, more so than it is necessarily sit-down-and-this-is-the-only-thing-I'm-doing experience. And... Almost everything else I do is a second screen experience. Yeah. You know, I listen to my podcasts or I have YouTube videos going on while I play something that might demand a little more attention, but not my full attention. Mm. And that tends to be how I interact with games and media these days. But this and it's it's no, you know, criticism of it. The balance isn't going to be for everyone. Yeah, that's just it. It requires... Too much attention for me to let it run in the background, 
You know, even though, uh, you know, you can set it to just stop after every action and then you go over and you look at it and you make a decision and you click it on. But then moment to moment, there's too little time that passes in the interim between the next action and the next decision opportunity to leave it there secondarily. But none of the decisions are necessarily that compelling or interesting enough to keep my attention focused on it for it to be my primary experience either. It's in a weird middle ground there and and it's very well designed. There's definitely an audience that will greatly, greatly enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. I probably won't get too much further in it. It's a game that feels purpose designed for my brain's wonderful neurodivergent uh, flavor of neurodivergency. It's it's scratching the exact same itch that I got from playing seven hours of the business management game in Yakuza Like a Dragon. Right. It's sort of passively interact while numbers go up. Yep. And my brain loves that shit. And I don't know, I feel I feel like I'm comparing all of these items and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I get an 8% attack in speed increase, you know, and this 10% vampirism bonus, is that going to be more valuable to me than the 12% evasion and extra defense that I'm losing? In my opinion, the evasion is always the stat to go for. I have had some runs where I've gotten my evasion ridiculous, and it has been very amusing. Mm. Yeah, I had vampirism up over 40% yep. on one run. And, you know, at that point, you're, in a lot of cases unless you're at like loop seven or greater healing more than you're taking in damage from most enemies. Mm. And that's kind of nice. I mean, it depends on the weapon you've got, but that's the other thing too. Then you have to factor in, okay, how much damage output am I getting versus, you know, to get that health back versus a passive regen? How many attacks am I getting in, in a five second period? Yeah. It, It really if you if you want to pay attention to it, if you love baseball, mm. if you think baseball is an interesting game, somehow you're going to love Loop Hero. I mean, I feel like to a certain extent, Loop Hero is the roguelike RPG equivalent of people who play Football Manager. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, do you want to abstract a certain degree of that thing you love into number management? And watching numbers do good. Yep. And, like, I've never cared about it before, but I like it with this particular set dressing. Yep, it's good. It's a good game. It's definitely a unique game, and I understand why everyone is really interested Mm -hmm. by it. Yep. Yep. Let's see. Okay, so I'm going to just knock out another one real quick. (laughs) Knock out. (laughs) (laughs) Masturbation. Somebody on Twitter recommended that I check out uh, Nova Drift, which is an early access game uh, that is a space shoot 'em up in the style of asteroids. So you have a ship and you're in a wraparound field and waves of enemies come and assault you and destroying the enemies will yield these experience orbs. And with every level that you gain from collecting these orbs, you can select an upgrade to your ship. And so the first few upgrades affect the ship's basic characteristics, like what its primary weapon is, or the shield that it has, or its physical design. And, you know, these sort of run 
the gamut that you expect. Like the weapon variety has a, a there's a, a railgun, there's a split shot, there's one that's a shotgun blast, uh, there's a pulse that just radiates out a bit from your ship, which is kind of cool. There's one that's like little tendrils that just sort of snake out from the front of your ship that deal damage but persist, which is kind of cool. Grenades that fire out. There's some some uh, some cool weapons. And then there's shields that are all unique. You've got one that increases passive characteristics to weapons. There's one that will send out a shockwave that pushes projectiles and enemies away and every once in a while do a burst that does a bunch of damage. There's one that just sort of subtly slows projectiles when they get within a certain range, uh, one that reflects. And then you have ship types that will have greater maneuverability or greater damage or some weirder ones that will have drones that spawn automatically or... Uh, there's one that is just like a snake with segments. And every time you gain a level, you get another segment that boosts your stats. But the segments, you know, like any other thing could be destroyed individually. That's that's cool. After you get these basic configurations, after that, you'll get um, access to skill trees and you'll get a range of upgrades to choose from that will progress down different trees. So you've got the targeting one that adds some basic guidance to your shots. And then on the next level will offer homing missiles or even more accurate guidance. And then there's ones for shields and for your hull protection and your mobility and various drone techs. And the upgrades are, are at random, so you don't always get to progress the way you want, but there's a pretty liberal reroll system that you'll collect rerolls from destroying larger enemies and bosses at intervals and can, you know, drill down on something specific, and you usually get something that works for your build pretty quickly. It seems like there's a lot of upgrades. I'm still unlocking them through this progression system that's based on the score of all the games you've played, and there are difficulty modifiers that unlock over time that increase the score and experience game, but also increase the rate of new waves starting, or you start the waves deeper into the game. It's neat. It describes itself as a roguelite, which, eh, like, there's a mode that has wild mods that are just truly more random and have, you know, greater risk, greater reward stuff attached to them that kind of makes it feel more like that random generation element, but not so much. It really does feel like you're going to wind up pursuing certain build paths and playing in certain ways without too much of that weirdness interfering into it. At least that's the sense I got. I didn't find the wild mods to be particularly compelling or force me to play the game differently. But it's a really solid shooter. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the controls feel nice visually. It's got a bit of that. I don't know. The whole thing kind of reminds me a little bit of Geometry Wars. Mm. And maybe it's just because I want to play more Geometry Wars. <laughs> But, it, you know, it's got that electronic music that reminds me of being in college and going to parties where people did things that they shouldn't have been doing. And you know, I like that. It's neon. I like that. Uh, the controls are tight. I miss an Asteroids game. And this is a pretty good take on that approach. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. Nova Drift. You could you could check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Monster Hunter time? Can we talk about Monster Hunter now? All right, go talk about your Monster Hunter. Do it. Yay! Monster Hunter is real good. Uh, uh, 
poor dinosaur with a mushroom saxophone. Everybody. <laughs> and also my face is glow in the dark. Well, it's glow in the day as well. But I managed to get it the exact color of glow in the dark, which is one of the best colors. So it, my face is, you can't see any details. It's a bit like the bounty hunter from Critters. I dressed up my cat in a suit of armor that makes it look like a skeleton bunny rabbit. Brilliant. That's pretty good. My dog is dressed up in medieval knight armor. That's good. I made mine look like a poodle. <laughs> mine is wearing the skin of a big lizard, which has been puffed into little fluffy circles, and it is all over it, and it looks it looks like it doesn't like what it's wearing, but I called the dog <laughs> Creedle, so it's got a dress like a goddamn Creedle. I've got great, great times with naming stuff. My cat's called Crabnuts, of course. Creedle and Crabnuts, that, that legendary duo. Um, I, you can hire all sorts of things and call them whatever you want, like Filth or Barbie Stinkhole. <laughs> whatever you want. Monster Hunter Rise is really good. Oh, hell yeah. I'm playing through it slowly because I'm doing the thing I always do with Monster Hunter games where I don't want to move on from fighting a creature over and over until I can make its full set of armor and then I move on. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been doing it different because I was I did a lot of grinding in World. This one I've been... I think it's just because everything is a bit faster in this game. I've been blazing through it. Just Plus, not a lot of the armor's grabbing me. The wasp one did. Oh, the wasp one's great. With the little tiny top hat. Thank you very much. It looks like a little pub. It's like purple butterfly armor. It's wonderful. Yeah. I wish I knew that when you get to the higher rank, you can change colors on everything, like in World. Yes. Because I was like, oh, fuck. Because it said some armor can't change color. And I was like... Oh, it must mean the wasp one because it's weird. And then I didn't bother getting stuff for it for high rank. Uh, so now I've just got a puffy coat, but I have coloured it pink. <laughs> I think both are very valid approaches to this. I'm still like, I'm supposed to be doing the three rank urgent mission. And I just keep putting it off because I'm like, yeah, but there's a weird, gross, like worm dragon with no eyes that I want to murder for a suit of armor. The worm dragon dog. The thing with the extendy neck. The big white one. With yeah, no the big eyes white one and the, with, yeah. yeah, and the, the neck it sort of just fires out like a slinky. Oh yeah, I've been using the hunting horn. The one you make out of that is just a it's like a big oh. club and its mouth is like the top of it with the teeth and everything. It's yeah. it's quite grisly. I really appreciate compared to world how little plot and slowing you down there is at the start of this. Yeah. They don't give a fuck this time. It's just go kill all of the animals that haven't done anything to you. Honestly, Monster Hunter World, like, that... There was too much of that at the start. Oh, yeah, unskippable cutscenes. Yeah. You can't get people into a story mission until the cutscenes played. Yeah. All I wanted was just fucking like, drop me in. There's monsters. They're going to kill us. Go kill them first. That's all I need from a monster hunter. Yeah, and that's pretty much... I mean, everything about this one is a lot more streamlined. The fast travel in the village and the village oh, itself yes. being smaller and the loading times being amazing, actually, on this. Yeah, they're so nice. Um, the monster fights seem to be quicker um it's certainly a lot less running after them yeah or when they do run you are like you can not close the gap but the gap doesn't widen all that fast i think a big part of that is having the dog to ride on which doesn't consume stamina when it runs which means that you can basically keep pace with a fleeing monster now which 
it's not that like that there is less game there. It's just that a lot of the things that were usually they took a lot of the tedious stuff out. Yeah, the, the stuff where it's like I'm trudging from one bit of fun to the next. They're just like, what if you could just get to that fun quicker? Yeah, I mean, you know, even without the dog, you've got that wire bug stuff, the zip wire, oh, basically. Um, yeah. Very. I, I wasn't too fond of it at first because of how it made them design the levels to make you use it. But then I used it and I was like, oh wait, no, this is good. Um, yeah, I like when you just manage to pull off like some cool little wall running and, and oh, stuff to yeah. get up a thing. And it's always kind of satisfying to like run at a wall, jump with the dog, jump off the dog and zip wire up. Oh, yes. And also it is very, very good to ride into battle and jump off the dog and smash a monster. Yeah, you do the sort of flying leap and sort of attack them from the air. Fucking great. I didn't really care about the wire bug attacks too much initially. And it was when I was fighting, um, there's an early, one of the early monsters it's got a very big rock face and you have to be hitting it from other sides and it makes mud go everywhere that slows you down. Right, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. That one, I realised that one of my wire bug attacks with the charge blade was basically an impenetrable shield I could drop down. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, if I get stuck in the mud and that thing's charging at me, I can just take zero damage? Perfect. I love this game. I've been getting better at knowing when to use the wire bug attacks because with the hunting horn especially, like... There's a long wind up to use the big one and, you know, you miss it and that's it. And the other one was, you know, you just... I don't know if they're all different for all of them, but... I believe so, yeah. On the horn, you throw... It's basically doing the zip wire thing, but there's a combo at the end of it. And Monster Hunter being Monster Hunter, it can be very frustrating. But I'm getting better at, at using those. I still, you know, miss, but not as much. And also sheathing the weapon more and using just the regular zip wire stuff to get back to monsters when they're far away and also zip above them and do jumping attacks again. I've, I've come to enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, monsters knock you far away all the time or their attacks send them, you know, half a mile mm. down the street. So being able to zip towards them quicker is really useful. It's so good for enemies that charge, where they charge right past you and you want to quickly close the gap so that you can get some attacks in before they have a chance to turn around and get back to what they were doing. Yep. It, it gives you a lot more opportunities to punish uh, openings in their, their attack patterns. Mm -hmm. And then there's just little stuff, like getting resources is quicker. Single button press rather than multiple button presses to mine ore, for example. Exactly. And then it's just one doink with the thingy and then yeah. you get all the stuff. Um, this is good. Um, being able to access like online, like join requests and stuff yeah. just from the menu in the village, just, you know, flick a stick and there you go. And your progress matters if you join a game. I love, that's part of the reason why I've been blazing through because I love jumping into games and, and stuff. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, it doesn't feel like less game. It's just, I'm getting to the more game quicker without the faffing around well there's still some it's it's monster hunter but a lot less and i like how open it is to different play styles with this because like one of the big things that has encouraged me to do the obsessive collective thing that i i like to do in games mm. is that it's so much quicker to craft and upgrade armor than it used to be like I don't have to feel like, oh, it's going to be multiple hours of work to do this. It's like, yeah, if I beat this thing two, three times, I've probably got its full armor set. 
Done. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 25, 30 hours deep and I'm fucking loving it. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying it very much. The one thing I feel like is like the monster fights feel a little less involved. And I'm I'm not sure if it's because I've got a different weapon or what, but... Like, it, it, I won't say button mashy, but it feels a lot more attack, attack, attack than it did before. I'll say this. From what I've seen of this game, because from what I've played and what I've seen of some of the other later stuff, it seems like this one is definitely skewed more towards a higher number of lower rank fights in the early game. The balance of, like, at what point it starts shifting towards more of the you can't just bash, bash, bash through this seems to be a little later than usual. I'm on to, like, four stars. Like, I've gotten on to high rank. Yeah. There's some more death dodging that I need to do than I did before. But I'm not sure. It's just, like, when you're in a multiplayer game now. Yeah. And I didn't feel it so much in World. It's just, we're all swarming. It's fun as fuck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Okay. Multiplayer, I I 100% understand what you mean. It's a lot more smashy, smashy than it used to be. Yeah. I was fighting a poison dinosaur. Early game poison dinosaur. Right. With the the stinger, like a Gallimimus with a stinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing with that was, yeah, exactly as you're saying, four-player co-op, that thing fucking wasn't moving. It was just all of us stood around just like, bash, 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 bash. And it's fun. You seen that thing of the bees all attacking a horny? Yeah. Uh, It's like that. It's like insect videos. And it is incredibly fun, but it is a different experience to Worlds multiplayer in that regard. Yeah, not massively, but it just feels like, oh, this is just a a bit more aggressive and a bit more you know i'm hoping that in the like say five six seven rank stuff that will change a bit mm-hmm. but yeah yeah i'm having a lot of fun things as just so much quicker <laughs> that's that's what i like more than anything else the rampage missions are interesting i'm always a, a fan of horde modes and stuff but i don't think it quite works with a whole bunch of beefy monsters I've still not done it. I've I know that that's the the next urgent mission I have. I have it available. I've put it off for like ten hours because I'm yeah. trying to get on my rank three armor. But um, yeah, is it just a horde based thing? Are you trying to protect a location or something? It's sort of yeah. There's a a big gate that they're all trying to bust down, so they jump over this fence and come through and there are little trapdoors all dotted round and you can use them to build things so you can get like automated defenses like turrets and stuff like ballistae and bombs on the ground and you can get machine guns and cannons and ballista that you can control as well and yeah yeah there are rounds and all of that it's it can be annoying (laughs) I feel like maybe one or two beefy monsters and a lot of the littler ones could have been a bit better. Um, but instead, it's like all the monster monsters. And they go down a bit quicker, obviously, with the sheer amount of stuff being pelted at them. But it's yeah, it's strange. As someone who really likes that type of gameplay, it was like, this is a little... It doesn't quite work. It's not horrible. It doesn't quite work. The, the thing that's been putting me off trying it, and I know I'm going to get around to it eventually, but is like... I want to be doing Monster Hunter gameplay in my Monster Hunter. Yeah. I don't I don't really want to take a break from doing this very good Monster Hunter gameplay to do something else. To do a whole bunch of, you know, story stuff and talking to people and random upgrades <laughs> in a hub area. Is that... Am I... Reading that correctly? Oh, I'm Conrad. No, no, I I love all the story stuff and the NPCs. I love all that. I just don't like different gameplay. Mm. I love when there's stuff that is not gameplay. At this point, I am imagining 
a circle, like, closing in on Conrad, and then text <laughs> underneath going, there's our Conrad. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, Monster Hunter Rise is really good. It is, and it is better because they cut so much story out. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Let's face it. If we're doing a comparison between stories, yeah, I don't think Hades and Monster Hunter no. quite fit. <laughs> no, but yeah. but yeah, like I'm glad that the lengthy fucking cutscenes are gone because it. I'm someone who doesn't like to skip story. Yeah, but I so don't give a fucking Monster <laughs> Hunter. I so don't give a fuck. I'm like, is that a dinosaur? Have I got a sword? Brilliant. That's all the story I need, mate. Both of the last two Monster Hunter games can be summed up as big monster gone destroy us. Better get out, get those monsters, or go get destroyed. That's it. That's all you need to know. You are the hero stopping all of the people being killed. And I don't have to hear people nattering and nattering while I'm trying to fight Zora Magdaros, Zora Magdaros, Zora Magdaros over and over again. Come up with a nickname for it. Fuck's sake. I get very sick of... No, Gigante. I get very sick of them saying the monsters' names over and over again. I mean, you can turn down how many times they say the names. I'm talking about world. Oh, world. Yeah. I'm talking about worlds with all of the NPCs yelling things while you're fighting. Just yelling the Elder Dragon's names over and over and over again like it's a brand deal. And I get fucking annoyed with it. I actually don't mind all the nattering in Monster Hunter. Even though it's like five phrases repeated, I don't really mind it. I've left it on full. It hasn't bothered me. It's fine. They're not really annoying. They're, like, voice-wise, they just sound like video game protagonists, you know, in these games, just with incidental chatter. It's good you can turn it off, though. I don't know how I'll feel in a week's time. I've got a weapon that's a big the big sword and shield and axe, and it's purple and black, and it looks like Majora's Mask, but in purple and black, and I like it. The weapons are ridiculous. I was impressed with the guitars, and the, the oh, I was impressed as fuck with the... Mushroom saxophone and the frog flute, <laughs> right? I was already thinking, oh, that's brilliant. Today I jump in a game, some fuckers fighting with a gigantic corn cob. Where's my corn cob? <laughs> <laughs> it's giant. <sighs> There's not enough butter in the land for it. <laughs> don't <sighs> take that. Don't take me the task on that. I don't need a lawsuit. So yeah, Monster Hunter's good. How are you doing, Conrad? Do you uh, have more games to discuss? Yeah, so, I mean, there's one other game that... <laughs> I kind of feel interesting and worth talking about. Uh, now, it's too late by the time you're hearing this to get this for free on Epic Games Store, so oh. sorry. But it's uh, it's called The Creature in the Well. I guess this came out like a few years back. I like that name. Yeah, it's a good name. And the setting is this desert environment, very bleak, and you are exploring a failed community that was trying to build a machine to protect itself from some <gasps> environment, you know, from the, a big dust storm, it seems like. I've just seen this game and I know what this game is. It's Sword Pinball. Yep. I saw a trailer for this. I didn't know it was out. Yeah. You are a robot that was one of a fleet of these robots designed to build this system and turn it on. And you're the only one left, and you are trying to turn it on. And so the way you do this is, it, like, it's it's not a combat game. It's a third-person action game, but it's not really combat-oriented. There's this creature that exists in the mine that comes and taunts you, and you will occasionally have encounters with it at the end of 
each of the areas that you explore. But there aren't so much enemies in the game as defenses, right? There's things like turrets that will fire these negatively charged particles at you or objects that detonate after they're hit and cause damage in a radius that you have to stay outside of. And you don't really have weapons, though, like, most of the items you wield explicitly are weapons or things that could serve as them. But you don't hit objects with them. You hit projectiles. These little little balls that float around and with one weapon or item you charge them up by swinging at them and this will also capture ones that have been floating into your vicinity and you'll charge them up with kinetic energy and then the other weapon will launch them in the direction that you're facing and so you use this to target environmental objects and ricochet off them to combine when you eliminate some objects, other ones will pop up, and so you have to change target. It's about prioritization. Some things have timing sequences, some don't. It's really, really cool the way it works. It's fun. And so you have to you don't you don't have to do them all at least either. It's like some of them are too difficult, you know, at least for me in the early stage, but I, I can skip them because you can attain enough energy from runoff, from excess that you've collected from doing other rooms to make it through the doors in most areas if you can't accomplish something. You can always come back to an area, get more energy later. But the, the whole structure of the game is there's a door in front of you. It requires a certain amount of energy to open it to get to the next room to make your way to the end of this chain of rooms. You have these rooms that have these objects that when struck with these projectiles generate energy. You collect that energy to open the doors. Sometimes when you solve a puzzle in a room, it'll open up a secret pathway to other rooms that provide more energy or bonus equipment or lore or something else. It's interesting because there is combat. There's there's threat, but it's not combat threat. It's defensive avoidance. And there's something interesting about that approach to gameplay that I'm finding compelling. It's challenging, but it, it it's challenging in a different way than I'm accustomed to with a game that uses this kind of control scheme, this kind of perspective, and, and a lot of the design elements. Just changing the basic concept of you are not going to hit things, you are going to hit things with a thing that you hit completely changes the dynamic. And that's pretty cool. So anyway, Creature in the Well visually interesting i love that name yeah the creature is creepy too like he just pops up from time to time you just see his eyes in the background you might say something to you Ugh. every once in a while his hands will come up somewhere and you know poke his head up and he'll creep you out and then he'll go away he's neat real creepy yeah. yeah so anyway that's the only other thing i played this week is undermine yeah which Continues to be good. Are you getting along with that? Yeah, I, uh, I I completed a run. Hooray! Yeah, but I still have two of the bosses I haven't fought. So Ooh. yeah, yeah. Oh boy! I mean, I I came out of a run. I think I broke a hundred k. Yeah, you reach a point where the money steamrolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've stopped carrying around the canary. Yes, once you get other options. Well, I mean, the other options aren't even that good. I got another egg now. Finally, I've gotten. I got an egg when I finished the run, mm. and I don't remember if I bothered to hatch it yet. Oh, yeah, I did. It's a flying monkey. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I haven't equipped it. So I've got the flying monkey. I've got some ghost that 
I don't know what the fuck it's doing. It's just hanging out. I can't even <laughs> figure out how it gains experience. It's just there. Just by being a ghost. It's just there being a ghost. So I'm like, well, what fuck good are you? Maybe if I collect curses, it does something. And I, I don't just, know what the... I wish I could tell you what the ghost does. No fuck clue the ghost does. And then I got a little red bird who fires fireballs really shittily for a while. And then eventually fires fireballs less shittily. But I'm losing money on the canary. Because if I get popcorn... And that canary's going. Oh. The canary's grabbing the gold yeah. before it can hit the ground and pop more more gold. That's a really good point I haven't thought about. Yeah. Good shout. And I'm getting popcorn on almost every run because I've kept my pool so small that it's just statistically is a real good chance at this point it comes up. I mean, yeah, in the in the early to mid game, minimizing stuff that isn't popcorn is real good for your finances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm still into it. I'm still having fun with it. I'm going to... Go beat those last two bosses and, and finish that, and I will feel good about life. So, news. Ugh. Can I go on a bit of a tangent about fucking Cooking Mama Cookstar? I am so deeply curious to know more about what is happening here with this thing. Yeah, so this story, I assumed this story was dead forever, and apparently not. So, almost exactly a year ago, Planet Entertainment developed a, a game called Kukumama Cookstar. It was put up on the Switch, it was on the eShop, it was physically available, and about two hours later, it goes off sale. There were a lot of rumors about like Bitcoin mining, that was bullshit. There were a lot of there was there was a lot of hearsay about that game. Uh, the official statement is that the game was not up to Office Create Standards, who are the license holder who own the rights to Cooking Mama. They had specifically in their contracts with Planet Entertainment, the game has to be of a certain bar of quality before you are allowed to release it. So Office Create is like, no, you can't release it. Also, Planet Entertainment only had the rights to release a Switch version, not a PS4 version, and they started announcing a PS4 version, like, with release dates and trailers and, like, oh, it's coming, and they're like, no, you don't have the rights to a PS4 version. It was definitely bold. Yeah. It definitely took a bit of... Goal. <laughs> yeah. So Office creates fully within their rights, completely removed the the licensing agreement with Planet Entertainment, going, no, no, you're breaking contracts. If you go to Office Create's website, there is still a big banner. Like This is still at the top of their website, which I think is important to note. It's just a big red exclamation mark banner that leads to their, their official statement that is like, hey... Office Create has notified Planet of its immediate termination of the license due to Planet's intentional material breach of the license contract. Despite such notice, Planet continues to advertise and sell the unauthorized version of Cooking Mama Cookstar in willful violation of Office Create's rights. Basically, the company that owns the rights to Cooking Mama, their website has a big banner that says they don't fucking have the rights to sell this game, definitely not on PlayStation 4. This is amazing. Yeah, so a year goes by and we hear fucking nothing, and... All of a sudden, about a week ago, the Cookstar Twitter account starts tweeting, pre-order Cookstar on PS4 now! <laughs> Again, and every- no one, like, took it seriously, because, like, why the fuck would you do that? You're in legal trouble as it is. And out of nowhere, with no firm release date before it happened, suddenly stores started getting PS4 copies of the game, like physical disc PS4 copies. Now, there's some interesting stuff to this. First of all, my initial theory had been, is this discs that they burned last year before the legal stuff happened that they're just trying to offhand? 
No. Like, the discs themselves have copyright 2021 on them. These were done recently. Secondly, they weren't shipped to gaming retailers. Like, you can't get a copy of this off of GameStop's website. They showed up intermittently at some Target and Walmarts. And I say some. The one person who I've actually had a chance to talk to who managed to find one of these in the wild had a two-hour drive each direction to get a copy from a Walmart. Like, there does not seem like there's many copies of this out there. So what you're saying is it's harder to get than a PS5. Ha! Well, no, because here's the thing. It then gets easier to get. Oh, wow. About two days after the physical release. Like, because initially, physical release only, I was like, it's not on PSN. That seems like they're just trying to offhand stuff quickly and hope Sony doesn't notice. It goes up on PSN, but only in North America. So it's only physically or digitally available in North America, and it feels like there's something shady about that, but you can just get it on PSN, and it hasn't been taken down. It's been up for several days. You can just buy Cookin' Mama Cookstar. The story doesn't stop getting weirder. So the official Cookin' Mama Twitter account run by Office Creates has not acknowledged this in the last week. Fucking hell. They're tweeting away like, oh, look at the new updates in our Cookin' Mama mobile game. Like they're tweeting like every like day they're doing a couple of tweets. They have not once gone, oh, Cookstar's available on PS4 now. Like they, they are pretending it hasn't happened. Maybe for legal stuff. I I chose to do that during a, <laughs> a prior in- incident, yeah. It's fascinating to watch, though. So that's available. I've had a fun week because I've been in Twitter DMs all week with the Cookie Mama Cookstar Twitter account because I don't know if they, like, I think they they either twigged that I'm the person with all the speedrun records for this game or they just noticed I'm a blue tick person on Twitter who has acknowledged the game because they slid into my DMs and were like, hey, hey, can we send you some copies of this game on PS4? And I'm like... Actually, what I would like to do is I'd like to ask, like, has the legal situation changed? Because, and I link them to the Office Create statement, I was like, the last official statement was that you're not allowed to have this game on PS4. And they just ignore my question entirely and try and offer me a higher number of copies of the PS4 game. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry I screamed that. Justin will have to lower the level on that, I think. That's amazing. They tried to buy you off with more copies of the same game. Oh, you've not even heard the best part yet. So, I keep asking, I'm like, yeah, but has the legal situation changed? After offering me more copies doesn't get me to stop asking them. They offer me an affiliate link to sell copies of the game. Now, how much money do you reckon I would get per sold copy that, like, through my link of a copy of, of this, you know, boxed retail video game for the PS4? I tell you what, I'm guessing it's not going to be much more than a buck a sale. Well. Oh, no, well, no, no. Jim. Oh, Jim. Oh, oh, $10 a sale. What the? <laughs> that's, that's like 25% of the retail price. <laughs> that Something feels shady as fuck about yeah, that. Yeah, like GameStop. GameStop don't get that good a deal. That's why they try and flog the used shit. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, are they that desperate to shift the copies? If that's what you get back, why isn't this stocked everywhere? Why doesn't every retail chain be like, oh yeah, let's fill the shelves with this, even if we don't sell that many? Five bucks back? No, no, ten bucks back. Ten bucks back. Sorry, my brain wouldn't get that far. <laughs> my brain wouldn't allow me to conceive ten bucks back. Yeah. I mean... It's good. 
<laughs> it's it's pretty generous. It's a generous offer, but I'm like, I can't prove there's anything shady about that, but that's a suspicious amount of money for an affiliate link. And that to me says, <laughs> I don't want to accept that affiliate link in case it implicates me in a crime. Or it's a or it's a virus at this point. Yeah. Like it could be anything. It could be like Russian intel. You don't know. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want them to know I exist. I'm scared of the Cooking Mama Cookstar people. What if they are the cigarette-smoking man? Honestly, here's the thing. I'm getting a digital copy of this game because I'm the world record speedrunner of this game and I want to fucking play it because I've seen a stream of it. Instead of having just buttons or just motion as two separate modes, it has kind of an amalgam where... Some of it is buttons, some is motion, some is touchpad, and that seems like that could open up some interesting speedrun ideas. But yeah, here's the thing, if they'd offered me a couple of quid a copy, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Ten dollars a copy feels like a crime. Feels like a crime is happening somewhere. Am I involved in money laundering now? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know what they might do. Yeah. I'm worried that if just having the name in your mouth, I worry is like enough to mark you for something. I might be going a bit too sinister with it. <laughs> so yeah, Cookin' Mama Cookstar, if you're in North America, you can buy that game if you want. If you want to come, you know, challenge my speedrun records. Alright, I'll do it then. This story's baffling and I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand how this is still an ongoing story. I want no part of it. Either they've somehow fixed the legal dispute, in which case I would have um, I would have expected the Switch version to go back on sale, or they haven't, <laughs> and they're just really fucking going for it and selling a game at Walmart that they're not legally allowed to sell. The gang makes a video game. That's what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. <sighs> You can't call it game development. You can only call it cockamamie. <sighs> so we we had some other some other some other news now that I've gotten that out of my system. Yeah. CD Projekt Red has talked about how they're gonna have two different AAA games being worked on at once going forward. Oh good. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that seems like a good use of already stretched in resources. Don't think of it like they are uh stretching their resources thin. Think of it as them now making two teams they can abuse. Indeed. They have said other stuff that was in this this news story. They're not going to announce games until much closer to their release. Probably a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good call. Don't spend a decade building up impossible hype. Why not? It somehow works for Square Enix. <laughs> but then again, they make good games. Yeah. Well, and, and they had a long enough and consistent enough track record at a time to develop the the truly cultish, slavish audience that will forgive them anything. The Witcher was not going to cover it. They needed a little bit more. Yeah, it got, mm. it got a lot, but yeah. Not enough that they could avoid this, what they're having to say now. Yes. They've also said that in future, they will show footage from all platforms ahead of release. <laughs> how, how kind. Yeah, in the future, they won't hide the Cinderella in the back room. Like, oh, no. Oh, we have no we have no other versions of the game for you to look at. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's what they say. I'll tell you what, right? Game publishers say things. Oh, really? Yeah. They say a lot of things. They do occasionally. Do they follow through on those things? Well... I mean, they say they're going to fire people. They do seem to follow through on that. That they do commit to, yes. 
Uh, $200 million. $200 million. A 200 mil bonus. I know it's been gone over, but $200 Oh, there's another thing uh, that was brought to my attention, and it's, you know, it's not a big thing, but it is an Activision Blizzard thing, and since it got brought up, they've got a new CFO. Yeah, I've got thoughts on that, but I'm saving them for Monday. I've got theories. Yeah. Wild, dangerous ones. Yeah. Good job, Lincoln Project. Oh, yeah. You stopped one. I'm just saying they're like, he's got experience in military and government, which is really going to help us grow. And I'm like, what is Activision working on? Is it <laughs> is it coup part two, an Activision story? <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, no, it's just the, well, it's Call of Duty. Coup of Duty? Call of Cutie? No, I'm Call of Cutie. Oh, there you go. Activision will do the next coup, and then they'll go, yeah, but this coup isn't political. Mm, President Kotick. Emperor Kotick. (sighs) All hail Kotick. The main other news story this week, there's a game called Balan Wonderworld. It's a game that's by one of the Sonic creators. It's musical, isn't it? I was interested in it, but I haven't got it yet. It's not a good game. Oh, is it not? I played a little bit of it. I didn't put it in the played section because there's very little to say about it. I liked the concept, which is you transform into a bunch of different forms to, you know, go through a little 3D platforming world. It looked fun enough. It is bland. It doesn't control well. And it's just repetitive and not good. Uh, That's a shame. I downloaded a demo, but on the same system as Monster Hunter Rise, so it didn't get played, obviously. Yeah. But the reason why this game, other than being a bit mediocre, is in the news, is if you've got that game, make sure to patch it if you have photosensitivity issues, because the game as it shipped day one had a glitch in the final boss fight, which could cause incredibly rapid, full-screen, bright white strobing effects. To their credit, they did patch it very quickly. I think within about four or five hours of the story breaking, a patch had been issued. Like, it was same day, so just if you have photosensitivity issues and you're playing that game, make sure to patch it. Okay. Yeah, I think that's everything we got for this week. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy. Yeah. I think I think I've been entertained. I've got my money's worth. I've been entertained and I'm ready to go back to Monster Hunter. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, well, before you do that, yeah, because not everyone's playing it, they might want more podcasts and books and videos and Laura. Yeah, you can find that all at Laura K Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Every Friday I upload episodes of Accessibility up on YouTube, which is a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. I believe this week's episode is going to be about pause menus in games and why they are important. Other than that, I've got books. Uncomfortable labels, that's about being autistic and trans, it's out now. Things I learned from Mario's butt, it's about video game butts, it's out now. Gender Euphoria is an anthology of non-cis people's positive gender-affirming stories. That comes out on June 10th, 2021. That's like two months away. That's real soon. Also podcasts, Pixel Squirts, about video game porn, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that I enjoy in the week that aren't video games, and Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three through eight. They're all self-contained stories. Conrad, you used to be on that, right? I did used to be on that, but you can now find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or get audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. You could also hear me on Let's Talk About Snacks, a podcast 
about snacks that I do with Lauren Morgan, also of Dice Funk fame, and Linda Camiolo just did an episode. I, I think the episode we just did had a lot of eggs in it. I feel like that's that happened. Uh, mini eggs. It's Easter. What can I say? And you can support everything I'm doing online at Patreon and patreon.com slash fist shark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Okay, now I do. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That'll get you there. And you can, you can put money on it. It's all right. I'll let you do that. It's fine. And I, I stream well. I try. Uh, Twitch TV, Jim Sterling. There will be more. And April 24th, all right, the Polyam Cult Party 3, MV Young's Polyam Cult Party, will air. It will be on Twitch at 3 p.m. Eastern. So I will be there. I'll be bringing the Rise Grand Championship. No one's allowed to fight me for it. All right, <laughs> but I'll be there. It'll be a very, very good show. It is looking set to be the perfect showcase of wrestling up here. Certainly my favorite talent for sure. And well, I'll be there, obviously. So yeah, check that out as well. And thank you for being around here, listening and being here. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.